Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action Podcast, where we hear from people across the U.S. that share their stories about work they are doing in their local community with a common goal of taking green action that helps care for people and wildlife and the environment in our local towns and cities. Our goal is that we might be able to learn from and inspire each other while we find our own solution-based action that lets us live meaningful, sustainable, eco-friendly lives while cleaning, protecting, and repairing the environment. So today in our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who has created a successful upcycling business, turning vintage feed sacks and clothing into new bags. I'm speaking with Lori English with Recreated in New Bern, North Carolina. Lori loves taking vintage feed sacks and clothing and transforming them into new handbags, wallets, and pouches. It is a unique creative design challenge to work with these fabrics, eliminating the stained parts to produce a new unique bag and one of her customers' favorite styles. All of the fabric, including the linings, are made from other items. Welcome, Lori. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So I'm so excited to speak with you and find out more about your path of green action that led you to your own upcycling business. So what helped plant the seed for you to want to take some kind of green action originally? I've always been interested in, um, I guess, taking something, making it something different. And to do that in the sewing world was very interesting to me. Um, I, I had seen some people using some weird items, some upholstery samples and things like that and I thought well that's different I might try that and it just the more I did it the more it grew and the more I wanted to make sure as much of these handbags was recyclable parts as possible you know hardware you can't but it made me want to get away from standard fabric from a store great so so how did you learn to sew I mean um, or when did you first start learning to sew I learned a long time ago. It was about 20 years ago, and it was really out of boredom. I just wanted a hobby, and I started with easy things, pillows and curtains and things like that, and I eventually got into making clothing just, you know, I thought it was fun, but I got away from it. I got busy with work and life, and and I really didn't pick it up until um, 2011. I came back to it, and I really put all my focus on handbags at that time. Excellent. So that was when you started to experiment with the different textiles and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So did you st- start making items and then start getting like positive feedback from friends or people that you made them for? Or did you have the intention to maybe start selling them from the beginning? Yeah, I really didn't think about selling them at all. Um, a friend of mine and I were at a, a place in Durham, North Carolina called the Scrap Exchange. And it is amazing. It's not just um, fabric, but it's it's anything that anybody wants to donate, and um, you know you can you can get it, pick it up, make it into something else. And we were in there, and there was a little section of things where people had made stuff from there. And someone had made a handbag out of upholstery samples. It was really cool, and so. I thought, well, you know, I could probably do that. And my friend really liked it. And so it kind of got me back into sewing. I hadn't done it in years. And I thought, well, this is a very interesting place. They had all kinds of weird stuff. And so I made something for her. And then it just kind of took off from there. You know, (laughs) Uh, other people at work and, you know, word of mouth. 
And um, it was really interesting. And people would say, oh, well, I like this. Can you make it with a crossbody strap? Sure. And so your ideas kind of grow from there based on feedback. So were, were you able to purchase feed sacks or find feed sacks from that um, scrap exchange store? Or No, I didn't get them there. But what I was getting there was large burlap coffee bags. And so I was making handbags out of those and they have really cool graphics on them and, and stuff. But somebody who had bought a bag from me out of a coffee bag, um, she called me. She said, oh, by the way, I've got some feed sacks you might want. And I thought she was talking about more burlap bags. And I went to see her and they were these cotton, you know, feed and seed shipping bags. And I was I was hooked. I thought they were amazing. Um I love the graphics and the font and, you know, very, very cool. So that, that really is how I got started. I, I made her something completely different that when she said feed sacks, you know, I really didn't know what she was talking about. So it was a, it was a learning experience for me. So how long was it before you created your own shop from like from the beginning when you really started to realize this is popular? It took about a year. Before I, and I ended up getting on Etsy. It took about a year I, because in the beginning, that's a very strange thing to sell something that you've made to people, I, I guess. It was for me. And uh, it took a little getting used to. And you think, well, I'm never going to be able to do anything with this, you know, to sell to friends. But I decided to try it and I got on Etsy. And, you know, that's a big platform. And I, I looked at my stats recently, and my first year in 2012, I sold two whole handbags off there. So uh, it, it took a bit of time to kind of get the word out. Um, it really helps to see people in person because they generally, if they like what they're buying from you, they will continue to shop from you. Even if you're not around, they'll shop online. And so that was part of, I mean, it was a whole process to sort of get that going. So do you also sell at local craft fairs and other local events? Yeah. So my husband and I set up at events and generally we're doing larger events. They've all been canceled this year. So um, to fill in for that, we've been doing a local market about an hour away from us. And it's a really great venue. It's in a coastal area, so there's different people filtering through, and um, we're sort of the new kid at the new school, so we're interesting to people right now. After about two years in the same market, you know, you, you don't, it's not as exciting for folks to see you over and over again, but for now, that's been a very good market for us. Oh, excellent. So are you also taking like custom orders? I know you said originally you were doing this for friends. Is that something you're also doing for the public or? Oh, I, yeah, I actually just finished a custom order. Um, somebody at the, the market in Beaufort where we set up, she had a blue suede skirt. Very nice. She said, I can't wear it anymore. I like what you do. And I'm wondering if you could do something with it. Of course. You know, so I just finished her bag. I'll get that to her this weekend. A lot of times people give me really interesting things like military uniforms. They make beautiful bags, especially like a, a dress blues or something like that. So I do custom orders. Sometimes people have their own feed or seed bag they want made into something. So, yeah, I do those all the time. And so do you use a commercial sewing machine at this point? I do. Um, I had to kill about three sewing machines before I found the one I use now. 
I use a, it's a company called SailRight, and the machines are actually marketed toward people who make sales, and it can handle just about anything. It's a good machine. So I, I wished in the beginning I knew that. I think I was afraid it was going to be too expensive to get something that heavy duty, but I could have saved money off killing the other machines that I went through. So. Wow, that's great. Do you also like, I mean, can people come back to you if they need something repaired or whatever? Oh, yeah. Well, and luckily that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, occasionally I'll, I'll have someone who will wear something out because they use it too much, so much. You know, they may wear out the bottom of something. I did have I did have one bag that somebody needed to repair because her cat got a hold of it. So most things can be fixed. Luckily, I haven't had anything too major to deal with. Yeah. So what might be some of the challenges that maybe you faced in, in this process? Either as a small business or getting the word out or? Clearly, you know, this year has had a different set of challenges than most years, just because all of our larger events being canceled with COVID. Um, I think that sometimes it's hard to know what people want. And I have sort of distinct things that I do. I either have things that are feed and seed sacks or I have things that are not and they're made from other things. And so it's kind of hard to predict when you're going into a new venue like where we are now. Um, People are buying things there that I don't normally sell at other venues. And so sometimes it's kind of hard to know what I need to be putting in inventory. I'm sort of a little more businessy than my husband. So I, I pay a lot of attention to this bag, this particular style sells more than these bags. So I'm going to put my focus over here. But you get a little burnout doing the same type of thing over and over sometimes. So motivation is hard. That creative motivation is hard to um, get. And of course, these feed and seed sacks are kind of hard to get your hands on sometimes. So that's probably the biggest challenge is materials, because if I can't find those and they're going to run out at some point, um, if I can't get my hands on good ones, it kind of stops me in my tracks for a little bit. And that is my biggest seller. So that is, that's the biggest challenge. So what are some of the ways you and others are enjoying the rewards of your efforts? The best thing that happens with my bags, and it's such a weird thing to me, but it always cracks me up. The liner that I do for all of my handbags, I use reclaimed cargo pants, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But for some reason, the outside of the bag can be this 80-year-old feed sack, which I think is amazing. And, and someone else is looking at it and go, wow, that's 80 years old. And I said, well, look on the inside because I line them with cargo pants. And that is the biggest deal to them. So I go, wow, pants. You know, <laughs> I don't know why. So for some reason, that sort of brings it full circle for somebody that I'm, I'm actually recycling things. When they see what is distinguished as a pair of pants to them, the front back pocket, that, you know. So it's interesting to me, but it gets people thinking about recycling things. It makes them go, you know what? I don't have to throw that out. I can make it into something. So I don't know. I think it's... um. It gets people's brain in the right place, you know, that you should take care of the stuff and give it some kind of new life. But, you know, I thought it was so interesting. It's like when you go into a Hobby Lobby or something like that, and you see where basically, you know, a manufacturer has copied what was really meant to be an upcycling thing and turned it into a commercial thing. 
we call it fake teeks. Yeah, it's painful. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Because <laughs> that they took something that was a great idea and made it commercialized, and it's probably made in China. And you know, I would love to see people put more money in American-made things, and you know, back off Amazon just a little bit. But I shop there too. But you know, for for me, I I agree with you. It's hard to see that. When there was this sort of wave of excitement for a period of time about feed and seed sacks and people thought they were cool and they were doing pillows and all that kind of stuff. Then all these reproductions came out. And so some of them are real good and I refuse to use them. They don't have any history, you know, it's something somebody printed. So um, I do tell people when they walk up and they're looking at my stuff that it is original. It's real. I give them the year. You know, this is from the 1950s. The one I made tonight was from the 1950s. You wouldn't know it because somebody could do something like that as a reproduction. I mean, sometimes it's hard for people to understand that. But they even still, like you said, they and they open the bag and they'll, oh, pants. I'm like, well, yeah, but this this thing on the outside is 70 years old, you know? Yeah, I almost feel like, you know, like you want to call attention to it, like a piece of history or something. Well, and I I had something really interesting happen recently um, with one of the feed sacks. So I've got, there's a farmer out in South Dakota who, I don't know, arm wrestles people and, and gets them to part with these bags that they've had in a steel drum in their barn forever. And so he'll send me pictures and I'll send him money and he'll mail them to me. Well, he had sent me one and the seed sacks at one point have a, had a tag attached to them when they were originally used. And this one still had the tag attached to it, which I like because then I have a, a date, you know, <laughs> of when it was. And so this was, it came from Texas and it was, the seeds were tested in 1962. So I knew the bag was 62. So you have to pull that tag off and you have to wash it. So I went ahead and made it into a handbag. I didn't pay much attention to the tag because, you know, I mean, I, I just, it was to the side. Now I always put it with the bag when I sell it. So there's some provenance there. They know what it is. Well, when I went to do the listing, I noticed that there was a man's name on the seed sack um, tag where it had been shipped. And so it was shipped to Ronald Schlitt in um, Lumberton, Nebraska, maybe. So I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if he's still around. So I Googled him and I found his obituary. And I knew it was him because in his obituary, it talked about him being a representative for Northrop King, which is the creator of that bag. And so he was a sales rep for them. So my husband and I went through the obituary and tried to locate these family members. And we ended up getting to the grandson on Facebook. And I sent him a message on Facebook. I said, this is weird, but I think I have something that's part of your family history here. And um, here's how I found you and here's what I had. And I said, just thought I'd let you know in case you wanted to get this for somebody in the family. You don't want to, at least you have a fun story, you know. And he was super excited and he bought it for his mom. So this was, you know, her father and sent it to her and he had a nice little note in there for her and everything. And then he did this really nice write-up on Facebook about it. So occasionally, you know, something inter really interesting. And then I, I contacted my farmer out in South Dakota. I said, I just want you to know that this happened and you helped get a piece of this family's history back in their hands. And he was like, well, you're making me tear up over here, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so cute. I love that. Um, so if your ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up in new seeds of potential action for other people in other cities, what advice would you give to someone that might be considering an upcycling business? Well, certainly they should just go for it. I think doing the research and, you know, talking to people who do this already, like talking to me or talking to someone else who does it already, they can already tell you all the mistakes they made. And, you know, the first mistake is you don't price things high enough when you first start. Um, but I think it's the more you mess around with things and the more you get your hands in it, the more you can, the ideas you come up with and you can create anything. So, I, yeah, I think anybody should do it. So what maybe resource or book or website or film might um, have been particularly helpful or informative for you? Well, I think, the, yeah, I think the best thing for someone who sews specifically, um, if they're going to be sewing something, I think the best thing you can do is buy a pattern at the store and learn how to use it. Because the more things you sew from patterns, the more you understand how things work together. And, you know, in my situation, I'll take things that aren't necessarily made to be fabric to sew into something, and I may have to modify it and do things to make a piece of fabric out of it to then make what I want to make. But it, it gets your brain understanding, oh, here's how much space I need. This is how this works. That's the best tool. I mean, there's lots of YouTube videos and things like that, but I really think for, for sewing specifically, you got to start with patterns. I really think it helps you understand how to develop your own. And as far as trying to make it into a business, you got to be able to talk to people. And if, if you're uncomfortable, it's a very difficult road to travel. And I was uncomfortable in the beginning. So sometimes even still. So I'll, I'll rely on my husband. He's the more out, outgoing one. Yeah, that's excellent. Do you have any upcoming events or special promotions um, that you'd like to share or particularly your Etsy shop? Sure. Well, uh, the Etsy shop is always there, and it's, uh, I do ship worldwide. So it's um, the best way to get there is recreatednow.com is my website, and there's a button to click right on Etsy. And I'm very type A about listing everything that I make. So it, as soon as I make something that goes up there, I just I made a handbag tonight when I got home from work. It's already up there. Um, and then this weekend. We'll be down here in Beaufort, North Carolina. We'll be at our old Beaufort Farmer's Market. But the weekend of Thanksgiving, we'll be in Virginia, um, Virginia Beach. And I'm really holding out hope that that show will be there <laughs> and we, we will still have it because that will be our only large event this year. Um, we did it last year and it was a good event. So uh, I am being hopeful that we will get to go to that event and, and set up there. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for, for spending the time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it. Sure, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.